Thank you for hopping on to another episode of Double B Creates. Today you have Kevin and I'm talking with Skylar. I'm going to totally screw up your last name. Methus. And uh, Mythos. Uh, mythos. <laughs> Sorry, I should have asked that before. Um, anyways, Skylar's got a really cool shop on Etsy making some really, really creative uh, pens. And he's got a really cool story that we're going to dive into. So we'll get into it. Uh, Sky, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I, I can't complain. It's been a long day, but we all have days like that, right? We all do. But the important thing is, is to make sure that little moments don't ruin the whole day, right? Oh, exactly. Life's about being more memorable in general. So those little moments that make you rethink the day well makes you rethink a lot of things and that helps you grow yeah i like that uh that you said that life's about memories because i firmly believe in that i would much rather make memories than uh, waste my life away trying to chase money or something like that (laughs) oh exactly a lot of people say that i'm crazy because i would take a job that i loved where i could be home more often and stuff like that and make less money than having to uh, basically enslave myself for the rest of my life and never see anybody. <laughs> I feel like everyone comes to that point, though, in their life where they realize, you know, I'd rather do something I'm passionate about than, you know, I could be the CEO of Pepsi and hate my life. Or, you know, or anything else. So you've got this uh, site on Etsy. It's pretty cool. Um, It's Etsy.com slash Skymaker, I believe it is. Skymaker.etsy.com, sorry. Um, We'll both get you there. (laughs) You've got uh, some pens and some lamps and some cool stuff. Um, what got you started in, in woodworking? Well, that's kind of a, a really neat story. Um, um, and that was, that was a slight interruption for my mom, who's, who actually is why the story is neat. Um, when I was like four, um, she's the one who taught me carpentry and woodworking in general. But when I was, I was about four and she had all these little cutoff pieces um, from the garage. We just had a little, little place on post. And she said, hey, we're going to build a train. And it was super simple. You know, just put a couple nails in and it's a train. But that's, that's what started it. From there, I've always kind of done it and, you know, work to get better and do better and try new things that are fun that's actually a really cool story i've got uh kind of a similar background my my mom has a bunch of old uh cars and trucks and stuff that my grandfather had made out of wood i guess that was his passion was uh woodworking as well and uh i remember playing with him when i was a kid and my mom got into doing like birdhouses and stuff for quite a while and selling those and I had helped her quite a bit between like ages I'd say eight to twelve 
and uh, it's it's really interesting that uh, not interesting. It's it's really fun to work with wood, I think, because it has a lot of uses. Um, <laughs> some of them that people wouldn't even think of. In some cases, like uh, wood's always like my first go-to material if I ever need anything. <laughs> like I need a little gap filler, stick a wood in there. Like, <laughs> Uh, and that's that's one of the you know one of the really neat things that, like you said that most people don't even think about like i make pens dude you know what my first thought was when someone says hey let's make a pen out of wood it's like you're so freaking crazy but now i have to see it you know yeah absolutely i uh <laughs> clicked on your site and I knew that you did woodworking and stuff and I had expected more like my my thought process was I'm gonna hop on there and see like cutting boards and maybe some uh, some art decorations stuff like that like for the walls um maybe some custom picture frames and then it popped up and I saw pens and I was like oh well that's not what I expected that's actually really cool <laughs> I appreciate that so um what what goes into making a pen? I'm, I'm assuming you hollow it out and like use a lathe to, to smooth them down or use hand sanding them or? Um, kind of, a, well, there's like a weird, pro well, my process is different than most people's, but the basic process is, um, you know, after you get your metal tooling and all of that, um, I'll, I'll take a piece of wood you know, whether I laid together a whole bunch of little things or, um, you know, just have one burl or whatever. And I, I drill a hole through it. It's a precise size and shape. And that allows me to uh, sink a brass tube into it that I can use to anchor it on a lathe. And then I'll use chisels to take it down to whatever size and shape I think is appropriate, whatever feels right. Um, and I'll use a variety of sandpaper going from, I, I like to start at 80 and then I'll go all the way up to uh, 2200. Wow. And yeah, that's, that's how you really get it to shine. And then if it's acrylic or, you know, you put a special finish on it, I can use micro mesh and I can get up to about 20,000 um, grit off of that. And then after that, you, you press all your parts together in the order that they're supposed to be pressed in, if you're lucky enough to remember that. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I've ruined my fair share of pens by... by assembling things the wrong way yeah. it's because i'm a, you don't need directions <laughs> i can imagine it's uh similar to doing like a 3d puzzle and if you forget where one piece goes and, and uh... yeah it's it's a lot like that that makes sense um so is that uh is that your only like, is that your full-time thing is doing woodworking, custom woodworking and stuff or? I, I wish it was. And that, you know, I'm working towards that. 
but currently I um, I make the frames for GM Toyota um, Ford like I make truck frames um, I work with a company and I, I operate industrial presses so no, there's well, nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with that uh, I think a lot of people get like this weird stereotype or, or some sort of notion in their head that anyone who's an entrepreneur like that's all they do and they don't have a regular job but um, you can be an entrepreneur technically and, and still have a full-time job. Um, you'll get the, the occasional person <laughs> that comes out and they're like, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not your hustle. That's a side, uh, what do they call it? A hobby or a, uh, they use some other word. But well, uh, Side hustle is uh, what Tony Watley kind of branded it as you know he wrote the book on it i guess but you know it's yeah it's like a side job or like a gig i, I prefer side hustle over hobby because to me a hobby is like playing with toy cars and collecting things <laughs> a hobby is purely for fun a side hustle is it's not just fun you're good enough at it that other people look at it and say i need to i need to borrow your skills and it, the side hustle is also something that you could potentially uh, master and break out into a full-time thing, I, I believe. Oh, definitely. Like, that that's the goal. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we've, we were going to kind of roll on a topic today, which is a first for us. Um, we wanted to talk about uh, health conditions and using those to grow. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've had kind of a weird health past. Um, and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll break that down real quick. But um, I've had Crohn's disease and ulcerative colonitis since I was, well, I was diagnosed at like 14. I probably always had it. You know, the more you think about it, the more you're like, man, I've always had those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, about five years ago, I had a couple tumors removed. They were uh, neurofibroma clusters, which is it's nerve cancer. Okay. And, um, like I'm fine from that, but I did have some nerve damage. It's really cool. I can smack my left hand on anything as hard as I want and not feel it. Which, I don't know, that sounded cooler in my head. but. <laughs> <laughs> my my mind immediately went to that movie um uh which one mr deeds where he's got the black foot and he had, has no feeling in it oh i mean it i'm still flesh colored but yeah it's kind of <laughs> like that and um and about three years ago i guess i broke my face and had to have that surgically put back together that's not really a health condition. That's just like a, like a fun fact. <laughs> so um, the hand with the nerve damage, does that affect your um, motor skills or uh, anything like that? It actually, it did at first. Um, according to the doctor, um, 
nerves grow back at like one millimeter a decade. So they get, they grow back real, real slow. Um, and at first, because I was bandaged for so long, um, there was some slight atrophy and it was almost like I had arthritis real bad. Like I couldn't, you know, I could see my hand, I could move my hand, but I couldn't always determine what I was doing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that slowly got better. I, I taught myself some physical therapy exercises and you know, from there it, it kind of blossomed now back into, you know, like regular usage. I can do everything but feel with it now. So like I'm teaching myself sign language and, you know, I can do all the, well, I can do an interesting number of signs, but not all of them. Sign language is, is really cool. Um, I know a couple of, I know one person, there's a professional, uh, ASL interpreter and, uh, I know a couple of people that, that speak it. My my uh, one daughter is semi fluent with it. It's I don't think it, uh, uh, I think it's something that's gaining a lot more um, notice as of recently than it has in the past years. I see a lot more people uh, starting to talk about it. That's that's fair actually, and it might just be. You know, the internet makes it easier to connect with other people who do it. But sign language, it's not like just for the deaf. People who are uh, autistic, Mm -hmm. they have a tendency to respond to sign language better than verbal communication. So, you know, a lot of people are learning it for that. And then there's a lot of people who are like, well, my, my friend's deaf or like my son's autistic. And like, I need to learn it too now. So it's, you know, it's, it's bilingual via, I don't know, need and passion, I guess. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, how long is it, like, since the, the hand surgery and all of that, um, how long is it taking you to get back to normal with it, or at least feeling like it'd be uh, back to how it was? Um. I, I intend to, well, cause I, I'm also a certified personal trainer. Um, that's, that's just, you know, it's like, Hey, let's do this. But it took me maybe eight months to get like function of my hand, like back to, back to normal. Like I still can't always feel everything, but you know, after those first eight months, then it was, you know, I can do anything fine. I can go back to work. I can whatever what do you think the uh, biggest struggle was in terms of recovery uh, the biggest struggle um, probably mindset you know if you because there's you, know, you do get like a phantom limb thing when you have nerve damage but it was you know is my hand ever going to go back Am I ever going to be able to type right? Am I ever going to? And it was like a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to get yourself in the mindset of, you know what, this is fine. It's it's going to get better and I'm going to make it better. And it's not even a big deal. Let's go. 
Do you, uh, uh, how do I phrase this? Did you have any uh, mental struggles like that with your other diagnosis as well? I, I did. Um, like with Crohn's, I, for the longest, because it's like an autoimmune, your body's kind of fighting itself. Mm-hmm. You don't absorb nutrients. And like for a while, I was just wasting away for a while. And people with Crohn's, they either, you know, waste away or they do nothing but eat like mashed potatoes because it's easy to digest. <clears throat> so then they just gain a whole bunch of weight. But people with Crohn's don't necessarily live that long because it's you know harder to take care of. So I had that mindset at first, probably up until, oh gosh, college even. But I was, I was like, well, I'm not going to live that long. Might as well do what I want. Don't have to worry about anything. You know, I'm dying anyway. Might as well, you know, once again, rabbit hole. Like once you start down a weird or off or just even bad mindset, it's so much easier just to cascade and snowball it. Yeah, I can see like that, uh, hearing news like that would, would definitely mess with anybody, I would assume. Um, because then, you know, it's uh, uncertainty of the future and that leads into, you know, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. And uh, like you said, you just kind of rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I, I admittedly would be guilty of the exact same thing. So was there like a, like an epiphany or like an aha moment or anything that like changed the mindset uh, moving forward or uh, like, do you still struggle with thoughts like that or anything? Um, I, I mean, I still struggle with thoughts like that, but I don't, I'm not really sure like an aha moment or an epiphany moment. Um, that when it comes to health conditions anyway, like things that will be with you for the rest of your life, um, those moments don't really happen. But what does happen is you think about what you want. Like you, you sit down and you have like a very serious conversation with yourself. Um, and depending on how depressed you are, it goes one of two ways. And you probably have the same conversation with yourself the next day and it's better. But um you know, what you do is you, or what I did actually is I sat down and I was like, okay, this is what I want out of life. You know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I may only live till I'm, you know, 45, but like, I actually have to get to 45 first to see if I, you know, to see if anything goes beyond that. Um, so then after that serious conversation with myself, it was okay if I'm going to take this step you know i gotta i gotta take things more seriously and um i I had maybe two or three days i spent a weekend in the hospital um just hooked up to ivs as my body wasn't absorbing anything and i looked at myself and i was like okay this isn't what i want even like you know even if i was like okay well i'm just gonna die anyway that's that's not the way i'm okay with dying you know, sitting in a hospital 
um, you know, hooked up to IVs because, hey, my body's not absorbing anything. So once I realized, okay, I'm okay with this, but I'm not okay with like the hospital or, you know, going down that rabbit hole continually worse and worse and worse. I need to find steps to make sure that that doesn't happen. And that was when I took fitness really seriously. It was like, okay, if, you know, if my body hates me, let's hate my body back and give it a reason to hate me. That makes sense. I, uh, I was going to ask about physical fitness and, and stuff like that, but you kind of answered it <laughs> in, the, in that. So, um, I, was, I was just wondering, like, what all you do to, to take care of yourself and, and help combat uh, Crohn's. And I, and I know that there's not much, but uh, do you think, or do you feel like being um, more physically healthy helps versus? Uh, like you said, people people eating mashed potatoes and getting fat. I feel I feel like it does. Um, my mom also has Crohn's, and she she became a bigger person off of it just because you know there there were times where she's like, okay, well I'm just gonna have potatoes and extremely lean meat and a lot of it because that's all I can process. Then eventually her ulcers got bad enough she was put in the hospital and that surgery and all the fun that goes along with that. But I'm completely off medication now. I'm, I've got like 7% body fat. I hardly ever have a flare up. Um, most of my aches and pains are soreness from the gym. Now I make sure to, you know, take care of my diet really well. I eat extremely clean. Um, and I work out every day, like a lot. And yeah, my body's, it's too busy recovering from, you know, that exercise and saying, holy crap, we need, you know, we need these calories. We need this much protein and we need to fix this. I feel like it's probably stupid to say it like this, but I feel like my body is so busy you know, fixing the muscular damage, but it's, we don't have time to worry about Crohn's. That's an interesting way to think about it. <laughs> I don't think it sounds stupid. I would, uh, I would have to agree with you. Um, there's, uh, I think that uh, the body is interesting. It's, it's very complex and very, very fragile but very strong at the same time so i think if you it's, it's like pain you know if you what's that uh, the intro to major pain the movie major pain and the guy's oh, leg yeah. is broken and he ends up breaking the guy's finger to take his mind off of the pain for his leg <laughs> oh yeah you're not thinking about your leg anymore are you it's like it works every time so that's uh i mean it makes sense you know, like your body's going through something like even just like the common cold, if you feel like crap and then you go work out, you tend to, I personally tend to feel better uh, as far as the, the illness goes. So I uh, totally, totally agree with you. 
Um, I actually, that, that kind of mindset comes, comes from um, Gishun Funakoshi. This is kind of a neat story. I think you'll enjoy this. He's considered the founder of modern-day martial arts. Um, he and five other practitioners went to the um, went to the emperor of Japan around the turn of the century. Well, okay, early 1900s, like 1908, and presented martial arts. And you know they impressed the emperor, so they said, "Okay, absolutely, you can." practice and teach and all that but in his book his memoir he said there are three types of illnesses he said there is the illness of the mind that is what you do not learn and can be cured by learning there is the illness of the broken bone which comes from training wrong and there is the illness of, we call it sickness, but I'm, I'm just not sure that one translates well to English. And that comes from not training hard enough. So, that's why anytime, anytime I'm sick, I just work out harder and something happens. Usually it's good. I like that story. That's not one that I've heard before. The, it almost sounds like uh, the idea of balance. I gotcha. That's that's very fair. Oh. Because you know, like in all things, you know, you're you're gonna feel worse if you don't know what you're doing, or you know you're not doing it right. But if you do it right, and you do it hard enough, it, you know, becomes so much better. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, if you train wrong, you get hurt. You train right, you do it hard. It might feel like it hurts <laughs> for a couple of days. But if you don't train at all, then uh, you're going to end up in a slump and be unhealthy. So... I, I like it. That's uh, that's a very, really good. I'm gonna be thinking about that one for a couple of days. I got you. Well, I'll have to send you a copy of the book. Um, I've got an extra one for around here, I think. Okay. It's a it's a neat read. It's kind of like philosophy, martial arts, all that kind of put together. So, um, you do. This, uh, this awesome woodworking now so you said hopefully that you can go full-time with it uh, what are your plans for the future well the biggest thing I, I need to do is I need to you know I, I need to scale up and kind of get get out there um, so I'm, I'm rebuilding the shop right now I'm I'm going to start streaming on like Twitch and YouTube because what I do on Facebook live is super cool. You know, and I do one at least three times a week, but it's, you know, I, it's just me finishing the project. I can't really crank up a table saw on Facebook live and try and pay attention to my phone. 
and you know what I'm doing. But if I stream it, that'll allow me to you know kind of get it out there. It's less less intensive, and I'm I'm also doing an event. I did one for Star Wars recently, but I'm doing because Memorial Day is in May, right? I I think mid May. Uh, I'm doing a a limited edition run of uh, military pens. You know, each one's going to be colored and based off of the branches of the military on a semi-automatic kind of looking pen, and it'll it'll click just like a just like a Glock, just like a handgun. And it's it'll, it'll be little things like that, little interesting different steps along the way. Very cool. I was uh, was thinking it would be really cool just to to maybe do like a time lapse video or something. Oh, definitely. Start to finish. I just have to be smart enough to record it. (laughs) It's always a learning curve, especially with the technology and the way it changes so fast. True. It's also hindsight's twenty twenty. I'll make something really cool, like a bookshelf, or you know, I think the lamps are really cool. And, um, and then I'm finishing up, and I'm like, man, I could do a really great time lapse of this. Could have. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it'd be interesting, like a close up or something, just like a time lapse a little bit of cherry music behind it or something. Probably get a lot of attention. That's a that's an interesting thought. I'm, I'm going to have to do that. Though. So are you uh, like just sticking the pens and like you've got the lamp and a cutting board and um, are you planning to expand that or stay straight like right into that niche that you're in now? Um. Custom pens are kind of my bread and butter, but I do, I do want to expand. Um, and I guess I don't know my Facebook page, like my personal page. You just um, that has like all all of what I've done recently, but you know I'd like to start doing more furniture, and I'd rather do you know custom commissions because what I really enjoy doing is, you know, kind of sitting down and talking with someone kind of like this and hearing them talk about, I don't know, you said, you know, your grandpa made all these really cool, um, you know, wooden cars and stuff. And to hear stories of you playing with that or playing with those as a kid and, you know, thinking about them and then, you know, like, man, I have them in a box somewhere. You know, that story alone would make a spectacular display case. Not because, you know, it's a great display case in general, but because it has that much more meaning. It has memories attached to it. Even if one day you decide, you know what, you got to get, you know, or your wife or spouse or, you know, someone just says, hey, you know what, get rid of these trucks and cars. You know, I, I want them gone. And you're like, okay, sure, whatever. 
you still have that display case and you can put, you know, anything in and it's going to be linked to that memory. And it's going to make you smile every time you see it. I like the the idea of that um, kind of doing like a like a display case shadow box sort of thing because um, I was thinking they're not in my possession but uh, if I could get a hold of them it would be really cool to to watch my boys you know <laughs> my kids have them as adults you know because like I I never met my grandfather he passed like seven years before I was born but uh, between hearing the stories and seeing the stuff that he made you know I, I kind of know what he was into and stuff like that so you get some sort of connection to your your uh, relatives exactly that's I mean, that's what I really love doing like my favorite pen today is a super simple pen. It was tulip wood with a turquoise Celtic knot inlay. And I did it for a friend because it was her mom's birthday. Oh wait, no, it was Mother's Day actually last year. Not her, not her mom's birthday, that was a different pen. But she told me about her family and about her struggles, about her mom's struggles. And how she has all these letters her grandma wrote. And they weren't necessarily letters to her. It was like a, a journaling experience. And her family just has a long, strong tradition of like writing and journaling and putting things down. And, you know, she's Irish and the Celtic knot has a strong bond and family and her mom's favorite stone was turquoise and Tulip wood is traditionally used for love and family and kinship. And when I put the pen together um, and finally finished it up, and I did, you know, the Facebook Live, she immediately called me afterwards at like nine at night when she saw it, crying. Because, you know, that pen's going to get passed down to her kids eventually. And it's like a lineage of memories from, you know, her mom to her, to her kids, to, you know, her grandkids in the future and just all the way down. And she absolutely taken aback, like blown away. And, you know, that to me, that's what makes it special. Technically, anybody who come into my shop and do what I do. But I search for ways to make it more memorable, because otherwise it's it's just wood. I like that, like uh, doing research to to find something that uh, is perfect <laughs> for the the situation or the the individual. Well, there's I've always believed in like under promise and over deliver but um, a lot of it just comes naturally like even just having a conversation with someone you can just tell from their voice and how certain things spark with them 
and you're like, okay, this this is what they need, um, and this is why. Oh, and, I really like that um, because, uh, like, say. Say like a dad is handing his son a knife or something like a pocket knife, like an old timer. And he's like, oh, this was my father's and he gave it to me. And now I want you to have it, which it has sentimental value to it. Sure. But I think if something is custom made for that person or they made it themselves, it brings that level of sentiment up like tenfold because, uh, it'll have like their name engraved on it or their favorite color or whatever. And it was made specifically for them. Um, I just think that uh, the custom made things like that are, are definitely a better quality, but B they, uh, they just have a lot more sentiment and they can mean a lot more to the future generations when they're, when they're custom. Oh, definitely. Like, uh, you know, think about it. Like, if your mom handed you, um, you know, let, let's let's go back to the wooden cars. She handed you a wooden car. And uh, what's your favorite car, my man? Like, a real car? <laughs> yeah. Like a 53 Studebaker. Okay. Let's say she handed you um, a one to tail or one to ten scale model, hand carved, hand painted. Uh, you know, Studebaker. And she said this was made out of. Uh, let's call it the timber from your house that you grew up in, where you originally played with those cars that your grandpa made. She says, you know, I, I always remember you loved playing with those growing up. And this is this is the car you will have one day parked in your garage, delicately covered in a canvas, you know, cloth cover. This was made from the timbers. Made just for you. There's only one like it. I want you to have it. And then 20, 30 years from now, you take that Studebaker, hand it to your kids, say, I want to pass this down to you. This was made from the house I grew up in. You know, those little wonderful wooden cars we have on the shadow box or in storage or, you know, put away that, you know, uh, my grandfather made, but this one was made for me house that I grew up in it's my favorite car of all time and it means so much to me because my mom thought about me and said hey let's have this done let's get that student made it's not that you know it doesn't run yet but one day and I, I know like your kids years from now if they were to hear that story that little wooden car, that one to ten scale model, would mean so much more to them than, you know, like a die cast 
enamel painted replica. Absolutely. It would mean a lot more. <laughs> um, and that's that's really cool that uh, that you're doing stuff like that. Like I, I really like that story with the, the Celtic inlay and stuff because that uh, is kind of the same thing. You're you're building these products for people that can have those uh, sentiment of value attached to it. Uh, that, that's really cool you're definitely uh in your craft making memories for people i appreciate that so on that note um we do ask one one uh, question on every interview i want to know how you would define success in your life find success for me, success is the day I wake up and look in the mirror and realize that I'm still here, working towards my goals. I've accomplished some goals. I have more to do. Today's a great day. Go do it. Every day is a success as long as you push aside the weird things in life, like Drones or, or a rough day yesterday. Get up, look yourself in the mirror. Start, you know, I tell myself today's going to be a good day. And to me, that's that's success. Because that allows you to grow every day. I like it. I like it a lot because uh, I think that everything's going to be like a rung on a ladder, you know, like, Oh, I hit this point. Now what, you know, like you're always going to have something new, but yours is your definition that you just gave me. It pretty much covers that because like, yeah, I've accomplished some stuff, but, and I'm still working towards my goal. And as long as you're making steps towards those goals and achieving them, you know, then uh, you know, it's successful. I like it. I appreciate that. There's, there's more than one path up and up. Just because, you know, you're stupid. I think that's important. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to put um, all of your links in the description for the show. Uh, it'll be up Monday. And I'll, uh, I'll send you the link when we do get it live. I want to wrap this up try to keep it a little bit short so that we're not running over today, but uh, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for hopping on and sharing some of those stories. Um, that uh, story about the car and the house and being custom made and stuff like that. Uh, definitely going to stick with me. Appreciate that. Always make time for a friend. <laughs>